0: The Gospel lesson for this third Sunday of Easter comes from the 21st chapter of John, beginning with the first verse, and I invite you to listen for God's Word. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, "'I am going fishing.'" They said to him, "'We will go with you.' They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, "'Children, you have no fish, have you?' They answered him, "'No.' He said to them, "'Cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some.' So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish." The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his clothes, for he was naked and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of fish, large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We see it. Not sure you've read about uh, Tink. It's, it's been a, a couple of years, uh, and it wasn't really, probably didn't lead the news stories on any of the major uh, uh, networks, but, but Tink was a hamster in England. Um, Tink's owners had to go away for a, a, an extended period of time, so they asked their neighbors to look after him. Um, when, when your granddaughter has a hamster in uh, Atlanta area, you know this is very serious business. And and the neighbors looked after Tink as carefully as they could, but it was a Thursday when they went to check on Tink, and Tink was motionless and still lying in his cage. They made every effort to rouse him when they were unable to. They they first notified the owners. The owners understood these things happen with hamsters with a limited shelf life, I mean, a, a, a course of life. And, and so um, the, 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 the neighbors wrapped Tink's body carefully in a paper towel, uh, cardboard tube, and gave him a decent burial in the backyard. That was a Thursday, the Thursday of Holy Week. Friday morning, in a process that I never could understand from reading the news story, they discovered Tink in a plastic bottle in a pile of of, of bottles in the backyard, very much alive on Good Friday. (laughs) The local news stories picked it up. It was the uh, Easter miracle, they portrayed it, that Tink the hamster had come back from the dead just in time for Easter. That's kind of a cute little story. It's kind of the kind of thing you, 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 you read and you say, okay, well, I'm, I, I guess I'm glad I, I heard that. And then you pass on to something else. The, <clears throat> the problem with it, of course, is that there are other people who take the real story of Easter with the same degree of seriousness. It's an unusual story. Hmm, can't really explain that. There must be some under, way of understanding it. We'll pass on. We won't pay too much attention to it. We'll read it briefly. It is Easter season, of course, and then we'll pass on to real life. The story actually seems to show that the disciples also came close to ignoring the story of the resurrection. It's a, it's an interesting Way it's put together. Last week we read the concluding verses of John 20, which sound very much like the end of a book. And these things were written that you may believe in Jesus the Son of God, and believing might have life in His name. And and it it seems to come to a wonderful climax. And then here's this story, which apparently got attached to the end of the Gospel of John in the transition in the uh, oral tradition and in the written tradition. It says it's the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples. We're we're not sure, given uh, that history, exactly what it referred to. But the disciples had 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 this experience of seeing, uh, uh, not Tink the hamster, but Jesus the Savior, uh, arise from the dead. But They had retreated back to familiar territory in Galilee. They were at the Sea of Tiberias, where they had formerly been, several of them had been fishermen and not knowing what else to do. You remember Simon Peter is the one who, in the story of the, of the uh, transfiguration, it says Simon didn't know what to say, so he said something anyway, uh, a, a gift that many of us have. And, uh, and, but in this case, he didn't know what to do, so he went back to the very familiar, and he says, tell you what, guys, I'm going fishing. Now, there's a case to be made for the fact for the idea that that was a good thing for them to do. When when, When you don't know what to do, do something. Don't just sit there frozen in fear and confusion. And we can't blame them too much. There's really no standard operating procedure for dealing with the resurrection. They went fishing. So there's an argument to be made that that was what they needed to do but I'm also aware of the insight that one scholar had when he said, at the moment that Simon Peter and the, disciple and the other disciples went fishing, the future of the gospel hung in the balance. How would they treat the resurrection? As a strange little miracle story that came and went And then they could go back to life as it had been, fishing in the Sea of Tiberias? Or was it something that would change their lives and indeed change the world? Some people do treat it as just a story, not to pay too much attention to. I know folks like that. (laughs) There are days when I'm afraid I'm too much like that. The the trouble for these disciples when they went back to doing what they knew how to do, the trouble was that it didn't work for them. They went out all night fishing and caught nothing. And then a stranger appears on the shore. They didn't recognize him. And the stranger dares to tell these professional fishermen how to fish. Let me ask you, the last time your refrigerator broke down and the repairman came out, and got down on his hands and knees and got all the parts and tools spread out over the floor, and you came in and said, you know, I think the way what you really need to do is to do such and such. How, how did the repairman take it? He probably didn't, he didn't like very much an amateur telling him uh, what, what to do. They were, they were fishermen, and there's this guy they don't even know on the shore, and he says, do it this way, and they do it. And suddenly they have more fish than they know what to do with. They realize it must be Jesus. They come near the shore, and he's already there. There's a charcoal fire. He has breakfast started, but he asks for some of their catch. And then after breakfast, he has a conversation with with Peter. He has a word with Peter. He has several words with, with Peter, and all of them begin something like this. Do you love me? And Peter's response, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. I've heard eloquent speakers go into the different Greek words translated with love and feeding and lambs and sheep and so forth. And, and make wonderful, wonderful comments about the distinctions there the, the scholars that I've read in preparing this say, don't don't worry. Don't try to cut the hair, you know, uh, tr- tr- cut it too narrow. The, they're essentially the same thing said in, a, in slightly different ways. But what they do say you should notice is the number of times that Jesus and Peter had this conversation three times. Three times. Because, of course, you you remember that in the courtyard of, of Caiaphas, it was three times that Peter denied Jesus. And this time, Jesus leads with these words. Do you love me more than these others do? Because Simon had had implied that indeed he did love them more. Even if they all fall away, Lord, I'm not going to fall away. I will never deny you. Three times. Peter had said he would not fall away, and he knew he had done it. The others around eating breakfast with him knew he had done it, and Jesus knew he had done it. Tom Wright calls it a a healing of memories, Others call it a a moment of reconciliation. Whatever else it was, it was a time when Jesus placed trust in one who seemed to be utterly untrustworthy. It was when Jesus gave a commission, a job to to finish out to someone who didn't seem to be able to finish anything he started. And then the last word, the last word in the gospel that Jesus speaks follow me. Does it sound familiar? It was pretty much the first word Jesus spoke in the gospel. Follow me. Have have you ever been tempted to live as though you never knew Jesus? Have you ever been tempted to go back to life as it was usually lived and say, well, I've, I heard the story, but it, it doesn't really matter. I'll just go about my life the way I always have. Because, because if you do that, when, when things get tight, you don't really have to tell the truth if you've never walked with Jesus. You, you can take advantage of others when, it's, when it serves your ends if you never heard Jesus speak to you. You can eat, drink, and be merry, and totally ignore those who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are needy, who are lonely, and those who do not have a family of faith. Have you ever just wanted to be normal? To go back to fishing and not worry about anything? The the trick is that Peter would go back to fishing. And I, I'm probably speaking metaphorically here. He, he would go back to do the ordinary everything, everyday things that he needed to do to live, as, as do we. we. We come to moments like this. We come to other, other times in your memory when you remember that Christ was very near to you and very real to you, speaking almost as if only to you, speaking your name and not to those sitting around you. There are those moments. And then you go back. In our old revivalist terminology, we've been to the mountaintop, but we've got to go back down the mountain. We go back to what we, we first, uh, w- what we once did. And, and when we do that, the, the first thing that we need to remember is, do you love Jesus? Because that's what Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? That is the single qualification for every type of service you will ever render to the Lord. It may be a world-famous way of serving God like Billy Graham and Mother Teresa. It may be the, the smallest, most not noticeable task of service in the church or in the world. It may be great or small in the eyes of this world, but the single qualification is, do you love Jesus? Not do you love him perfectly, Not do you have gifts and graces that others covet and wish they had. Do you love Jesus? Then Jesus says, feed my sheep. Care for the people who are in need. Care for the people who need him. Will you see those who are hungry and thirsty? The naked and the prisoner and the sick? Will you welcome the stranger? Will you reach out to those who have no one else to reach out to them? Will you tend the flock? Now let me mix the metaphor. Instead of talking about uh, tending the flock, let's go back to the beginning of the story because the first call to the disciples was to follow him, to fish for people who need the Lord. So go back to real life, go to work, go to school. You got to do that. Go to Kroger, go to Walmart, play bridge, play tennis, play golf. Do everything that you've always done, but don't do it the way you did. Do it the way you learned from Jesus. It's like fishing again, but for the very first time. Peter and the others might have lost that chance. They could have gone on back to, back to real life and forgotten those magical years with Christ. But you and I are here singing his praises because they lived as Jesus called them to do. And how you live will make a difference to others. It is the third Sunday of Easter. Christ has appeared. The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. And we cannot be the same. May we pray. Risen Lord, as you whisper in our hearts, Help us to listen. Help us to hear. Help us to confess that indeed we love you. Help us to live each day as, as though we do. In your name we pray. Amen.